Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And uh, today, Aaron is out on assignment. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. He's driving. I'm in, I'm in the field. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the field doing very important Amiga-related things. Uh, undercover Amiga action. That sounds <laughs> so, like a magazine from the from the late '80s. <laughs> so uh, we apologize for the uh, if there's any poor sound quality, but uh, we wanted to bring yeah. the show to you this week, and we're bringing a show to you this week. Um, the first thing I want to do is go over some feedback. Uh, we got some feedback from a new supporter uh, named Chris Folds. And uh, he is a uh, he's kind of a game developer. He's working on a retro inspired game. Uh, he says cool. I'm an, he says I'm an Amiga fanboy from back in the day and uh, was a demo scene coder back then, but wandered off into the PC and consoles. And then two years ago, decided to get an Amiga again. And he says his true love. He's got an Amiga 1200 with eight mega fast RAM, compact flash card, hard drive linked to an old Dell monitor. Uh, this is a guy. Uh, I just posted his rig on the blog today. It's a it's a pretty nice setup he's got going on there. Uh, he says your podcast is great. Listen to it each week, and it's funny hearing the U.S. perspective on the Amiga. So very different at times to my British memories. So uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, thanks for supporting thanks, the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we also got some feedback from Zach Zimmerman, another one of our new supporters. He says, so I've dived into the podcast two feet first, and I've got to say I'm quite impressed. Uh, he says, I came for the Amiga, but stayed for you guys. You two have great chemistry. <laughs> and uh, he says, it's also very interesting listening to other North Americans and their appreciation for the Amiga, uh, which I've always felt was a predominantly European thing. And I, I'd agree with that to some extent. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, he says, now you two are quite older than I. I find your perspective educational and horizon broadening. So what do you think about that, Aaron? <laughs> We're broadening horizons. I like that. I'm glad somebody's getting <laughs> – I've never broadened my horizons before, so it's very, very gratifying. <laughs> he says, "I'm very glad you don't do you don't go overboard with silly production inserts, clips, and sounds." So no problem there. <laughs> our this lack is of low. This comes is low. In again. <laughs> Trust me, if, if we get to record this on a tin can and a string, we'd be rigging it up. <laughs> he says, uh, I, "He says he's starting to run out of buzzwords and positive vibes, so I'll space it out for future emails." We'll, Thanks a lot, Zach. We really, we really appreciate the kind words. He says, "I've always wanted to oh, get yeah. an Amiga, but uh, he's not opposed to emulators." And so I sent him the uh, that link that I used to get my Amiga set up running from the Cake Is a Lie Gaming. And uh, so hopefully, Zach, you've got that up and running, and you're able to uh, to play along with us. Um, yeah, that's what they're all Amiga emulation. I mean, they, they do a good job, and for a lot of people, that's literally the only way they're going to come anywhere close to reliving their old Amiga memories or finding out the machine for their first. Um, so we're, I'm all for Amiga emulation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got some new news from uh, another one of our sponsors, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage. Uh, hey, and, we love them. Yeah, O'Brien's is now an official Hyperion dealer in Norway. 
So uh, oh. he's, he's going to stock uh, Amiga OS 4.1 Final Edition uh, and the game Gorky 17 uh, there in the store in the near future. So uh, this is uh, this is a big news because it's finally possible for Amiga users in Norway to buy stuff from Hyperion locally instead of having to import it and pay all kinds of extra fees and stuff like that coming from other countries. So, That's great. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for sending that tip into us, O'Brien. So hopefully some people check out your score and uh, all those Norway guys will be able to uh, check out the uh, the latest and greatest as far as Amigo S goes. Uh, oh, one other thing. There is a paper Amiga magazine, like you said, Amiga Future. And, uh, it's funny. I looked into it myself. I was, just playing, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I saw one of these. I saw it on Amiga kit. They were selling it. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it looks like it's about, did you get about, it's like about 10 bucks US or something like that somewhere in the ballpark? Reasonable. Yeah, I mean, when you yeah. consider, you know, how much Retro Gamer, which is a real magazine, you know, with a real staff and everything, if it, if it costs them, you know, 13 bucks to get it to us, having, you know, a uh, a kind of a homebrew mag that's on real paper coming in at 10 bucks an issue, I mean, to me, that's that's reasonable. Um, yeah. It's, it's another thing that O'Brien's is going to stock also in Norway. Uh, so look look forward to that, all you Norwegian Amiga fans. And I think they, they have multiple languages, and uh, uh, I, I think that's like issue 180, that I, if wow. I'm not mistaken. Holy cow. I so mean, it was a lot. I was like, holy smokes. I can't <laughs> believe where's this thing been. So we may have to – I nosed around to try to see if I could see a sample copy or anything. I, I couldn't find anything, but I may have to pick one of those up just to have a, a flip through. It looked pretty heady. I mean, we're kind of the duds of Amiga crowd when it comes to what, you know, we, I, I, you know, I know a little bit about the hardware, a little bit of software, mostly we just play, play the games on it, but I mean, it looks like there's some pretty heady stuff in it, but uh, heck, for 10 bucks, I might give that a shot and have a look and see what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've also got some big news as far as the, the site goes. We've added a, uh, a new contributor, uh, Dreamcatcher, uh, one of our, our, our oldest, uh, fans and supporters. He's, uh, he's writing for the blog now. And let me tell you, um, I feel like we should be podcasting for his magazine or yeah, the other way around. No uh, he he's did, a, he's a star. He's a star. <laughs> He's uh he he did just absolutely stunning reviews of both the Chaos Engine and the Adams Family. Uh, you can look at both of those on the uh, Amigos.com. And also his next review coming up, just a little sneak peek. He's going to delve into RoboCod, which uh, you oh, know, boy. covered a couple couple months ago. So I can't wait to read that one. His Adams Family review, which I mean, it was tippity top shelf. It was as good now, as anything I, I, I love read. all this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the format was great. Holy smokes. Yeah, so thanks a lot, Dreamcatcher. Welcome aboard, man. And uh, we got to keep cranking out the good stuff. But, man, yeah, check out the page and, look, and read these reviews there. I was blown away, frankly. Maybe yeah. we, we should start our – no, we need to start our own magazine. Just we'll throw our hat in the ring. <laughs> we got a one-man band. That's right. That's right. Brian, if you're listening, you, you know, you just sit down. <laughs> your your mag, come on over and, and join the news team. <laughs> um, we've also got uh, one other news section on the site. Uh, I'm going to try and post something about once a week on there, just kind of an Amiga auction watch. You know, everybody likes looking around, thing, you know, looking at eBay, looking yeah. and seeing what things are going for. I'm going to try and find – try and dig around a little bit in my free time and find some really uh, – some unique auctions, some auctions that might be flying under the radar. Maybe you can pick up some equipment, some hardware or software that for a little bit less than what the normal going price is. Uh, so uh, it's called Auction Watch, Amigos Auction Watch. It may or may not be called that in the future. It's called, you know, but you'll see, you'll see, uh, you know, I'll try and post about once a week and uh, get some action on there. I, I, I love looking at eBay. I do that all the time, all day anyway. You know, pinball machines, arcade machines, Amiga stuff. It's all there. eBay is great. Yeah. And, uh, well, eBay is 
what it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's great to find stuff on eBay, but then you have to deal with eBay, deal right. with PayPal. But still, uh, for especially when you're in the States, if you want to meet stuff, you you don't have very many options. <laughs> that's right. about the only one, pretty that's much. Right. So, so yeah, that's a good idea, and uh, uh, we'll keep it stocked as best we can. Awesome. Uh, and finally, just our last little bit of housekeeping news before we get into the game, uh, we have the uh, the the new board is here. And this is that board that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. This is the RGB to VGA board that will downscale to 15 kilohertz or whatever. Um, and uh, I'm holding it in my hands now. I'm unwrapping it for the first time. Uh, in fact, I'll stop unwrapping it so we can do that live on the air because everybody loves a good unboxing, unboxing. Video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the next time, uh, you know, next week when, when Aaron's back in the studio for the podcast, we'll take a video of us unboxing it, doing the soldering, quite possibly uh, blowing up the Amiga <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the process. Hopefully we'll get it up and running. And, uh, and finally, you'll, we'll, we'll, We'll be able to stop talking about getting the 500 going and, and start showing off, you know, a real Amiga system doing some real Amiga stuff. So, I got a good feeling about this one. I will say one way or the other, when we get finished, we will have the ugly. You know, everyone put together a beautiful gaming rig, their hand painted. <laughs> right. there. We will have the ugliest, most convoluted mess of an Amiga ever ever assembled. <laughs> but we will try our best to make this thing live. It will be interesting. I'm looking forward to Delph to uh, digging into it. And, and by the way, I got to note that my uh, uh, my Japanese uh, uh, or diodes should be delivered this week. Oh, so I, I, went, I just canceled. I canceled the one from Malaysia. I've not heard back. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get money back. I've got no idea. So I'm hoping. To, so we've got a two pronged attack here. We either have a 1084 monitor or we'll have whatever the heck boat's got there. Well, hopefully one way or the other, we will have it some. Uh, a boat will finally get to dip its toe in the pool of a proper Amiga. Absolutely, and we'll we'll document everything on video and throw that up on the YouTube page so you can follow along with us and enjoy our exploits. Oh yeah! All right, it is time to talk Winter Games. Oh yes. So uh, Winter Games, you know, Winter Games was a game that was it came out uh, as an Epics title. Uh, Epics is. I always think about Epics as being the games company, you know, California games, winter games, summer games, but they did a lot more than that. They actually put out a good, uh, you know, a good number of games. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they had a lot of good hits. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't realize that they did Impossible Mission. Uh, they did um, Chips Challenge, which is another yeah. uh, that was a you know a Lynx game. Uh, so I mean they they did they've they've really done they did I think probably the the most uh, the earliest Barbie title of all time 1984 for the Commodore 64. <laughs> so, they did they did Jumpman and Jumpman Junior which oh, yeah. are two of my favorite that's true two of my favorite games I love them uh, ColecoVision uh, and the Atari I, uh, uh, I love those games uh, they they did a, a a weird wrestling game for the C64 I like Epic Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, like I said, you said they did they did all the game stuff, which is true. They were uh, they were a, a, a prolific co- uh, company. Uh, of course, we can't forget the t- Temple of Apshai stuff uh, that they did, uh, which is awesome, or Poshi, or however you pronounce that. I've always called it Apshai, but people have their own variations on how they pronounce it. But yeah, they were a good company, and uh, I, the uh, 
I liked it pretty much. I think almost every game's. And, you know, some of the later ones were a little wishy-washy, but I thought the, the first bunch were pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, Epics was also involved in hardware development. Uh, they did... Um, they did the uh, the really iconic joystick, the the 500XJ. Are you familiar with that that joystick? I have one, and it is an outstanding stick. I have one of those, and uh, boy, it's um, it, is it the best stick ever? It's right up there. It's it is. real good. I've had one in the past, and uh, it's just really awesome because you got the buttons right there on the side. The thing fits perfectly in the palm of your hand. You know, it's very ergonomic. Yeah. What Atari should have done when they bought the links from Epix is they should have bought the rights to that joystick and put that one out with the seventy. Yeah, because you could you could fit that with two buttons. I mean, it, it came with like basically two buttons already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were you were in business. That would have boy. You aren't kidding. That would have been. I mean, compared to what they ended up producing for the seventy eight hundred, for example. Oh, not good. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, other kind of infamous stories or famous stories about Epics. Uh, are you aware of the Epics origin story? The origin, I believe. Now, uh, it's been a while since I looked into this, but it seems like they've been the guys meet because they were D&D partners. That's right. That's right. They were uh, D&D <laughs> partners, and one of the guys uh, bought a Commodore pet to kind of take care of his DMing uh, duties, you know, running calculations and things like that. Sure. And uh, he said, hey, you know, I need to write a game for this thing so I can write it off on my taxes. And <laughs> Epics was born. Tax right off. <laughs> you know, I, I, of course, I've been, I've been a dungeon master for many years. Yes, I'm that dorky, folks. And, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> and I... I I can understand why you would bring in a computer to keep the number crunching, especially in the old days. Dungeons and Dragons is a complex game with a lot of charts and numbers. So, <laughs> although a pet, I'd have to wonder about using the pet. But uh, still, pretty neat. That's funny to think that that's how they, <laughs> that's how Epics came out of it. Right, right. Um, now, uh, the the other big uh, story that a lot of people know about uh, Epics is they were involved in one of the earliest uh, copyright infringement. Um, <laughs> battles uh oh was it with data east right right yeah i remember that yeah yeah so they uh you know this was in 1987 there was a a game called uh karate champ uh which was an arcade yes. game uh great was, game is very you know is one of the first one-on-one -on -one fighting games uh yeah and uh epics brought out their own their own version uh for the commodore 64 called world karate championship and yep, uh, game. the games looked very similar. And so uh, Data East uh, took Epics to court and they won at the uh, at the district court level. But then they they appealed to a higher a higher power. And uh, that judgment uh, went to Epics and they said that there were enough differences between the two titles that the average 17.5 year old male. How they came up with that age is beyond me. Uh, could tell the <laughs> difference between the two games. You know, it's kind of, I find that amusing, and I'll tell you why. Find me if I'm wrong here, but I believe Data East was in a lawsuit with Capcom over Fighter's History. Yeah. Wasn't that what was Now, of course, and that, so, was, that, and was, it was, that was later, but they kind of got their comeuppance, and I think that... They I, got, they, yeah. <laughs> that's funny, and they won that lawsuit, too. They won that one, so I guess right. they were one for one. Right, well, I guess you know, after they lost to Epics, they're like, we're just going to copy the next fighting game that comes out. And lo and behold, <laughs> that's what they did. You know, just, uh, just an FYI, I used to own Fighter's History, so, and Street Fighter, for that matter, so... 
<laughs> I guess I could have had them both. Yeah. In fact, I may still have part of this history stash somewhere. But, yeah, I liked it both. But it is funny that they would that they would uh, because really I, I see a lot more in common with Fighters History and Street Fighter than I do uh, World Karate and, and Karate Champ. Mm-hmm. I mean Karate. If you remember, Karate Champ had to use that two joystick control method. I mean that was the game, the joystick control, and, and really you, that was not emulated on the on the C sixty four and they had an Amiga version. And they, I don't you know, so that's I could see where they would. That's kind of a hard case to sell. Otherwise, every fighting game you can sue for all of them, really. Right, right, um, and uh, of course we, you know, we mentioned this earlier, but the uh, Epics was developing. They developed a handheld gaming system uh, called the Handy, but they just they yeah. didn't have the funds to really market it um, and uh, really put it into production. So they sold it to Atari, and it became the Atari Lynx, which was, uh, you know, in the long run, it was also an ill-fated console, but it has a, a rabid following, and there are some really good ports. One of which, California Games, is supposedly the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate California Games port is on the Lynx. So. Yeah, it, it plays great. I, I, you know, that whole thing with the Handy, uh, Epix was, uh, it, I was reading about the Handy just a couple weeks ago, and uh, the, one of the big problems was uh, Epix was in hock to Atari. To, to, they were their biggest creditor, basically. Oh, and really? so, okay. And so when, uh, basically, Epix got sucked up by Atari for all intents and purposes, and, that, and, and the Handy came with them, and a lot of the games, of course, like you said, the California games that that's sort of the uh, <laughs> that's sort of one of the best titles for the for the uh, for the Lynx. Yeah, and a yeah. great game. Either way, you know, I like that game on all the systems, but the Lynx version for a portable, outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Epics, unfortunately, uh, in the late 80s, uh, started to run into financial trouble. Uh, just like so many software companies, they tried to go in too many directions too fast. And, you know, it's just it's hard to stay in the software business anyway, even when you're doing well. You know, uh, you never know what trends are coming, what's around the corner, what people are going to be buying. Uh, in 1989, they decided to stop developing computer games. And uh, in 1993, they sold off the rest of their company. So that was the end of Epics. Uh, pretty close to the sad, end. Of, yeah. Sad whimper, you yeah. know, to go out on because they they were such a powerhouse, and we have, we failed to mention it, but they had the uh, for our C sixty four fans. They Epics was the company that came out with the fast loader cartridge, which also had one of those. And boy, if you're a C sixty four guy, and you remember basically life before the fast loader and after the fast loader. Uh, are you familiar with the fast loader oh, yeah. and all the C64? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, I mean, it was, a, it was a must-have. You had to have it. That was probably one of their, their best-selling titles, even though it wasn't really a title. It's kind of a, you know, as far as, I guess it was a hardware. I mean, do you remember buying it? Would Was it, did it come in a box that looked like a game box, or did they try and dress it up and, and make a bigger box out? Because it was just a cartridge, right? I, to be honest with you, mine came, I got mine in a, in a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. so I never saw a box for it, but I mean, uh, uh, it was just a cartridge, and it's just, but it just, I mean, it would increase your, uh, your drive IO by a, a factor of like five. Yeah. Uh, which, it was <laughs> a vampire. It, too it added, yes. It also had, yes, it also added, uh, like directory commands and stuff to the, uh, operating systems that weren't included with the C64 hours. And boy, it was, I mean, you, I, I can't imagine even fooling with the C64 without having one of those back in the day. It was just, it was, when it came out, it changed, it changed everything. I, and they sold a million of them. It's hard to believe that company went out of business with that car. I mean, that cartridge ended up being cloned and, and, and sold by everybody else on the planet. But well, they had a good head start and they sold a ton of those things. So yeah, it's a sad way to see them go out and just kind of, they just kind of faded away. But, uh, 
they had a hell of a run. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just a little postscript, uh, I guess. In, in 2006, uh, there's a British publisher called System 3. Uh, they bought Epix's uh, assets, and uh, they ported some of their classic games, uh, like Impossible Mission and California Games, to uh, the DS, uh, the PSP, and the Wii. Uh, so I'm really? going to have to check uh, out that, uh, that California Games port to the Wii um, and, and yeah. uh, see if that's any good, because uh, that might be something worth checking out. That's awesome. That's I did not know that. Let's talk about Winter Games. All right. So Winter Games has one of the coolest boxes. Um, can you picture the box for Winter Games in your mind? I own the box for Winter Games for the 7800. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you can tell me if it looks like this or not. There is there's kind of a neon blue outlines of people doing different all the different events. You know the bobsled, and then in the center. There's this guy kind of outlined in orange neon, uh, a portrait of his face with a big winter snowflake metal hanging around it. It looks awesome. It really looks yeah. cool. Um, they have, their, their boxes tend to have a very stylistic, the games. I mean, I always loved the way that they, they did their box art. I mean, it was very, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's the most artistically awesome, but it just the way they did it was very stylized and cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I thought it was a really awesome, uh, awesome box. Uh, there is, um, there is a uh, there's also a um, a tagline under the Epic's name, and I, I never noticed this before, but it says "Strategy Games for the Action Game Player." So I guess they were trying to target, you know, if you don't want to play, you know, Battle of Midway 1942, but you want a little bit more strategy in your action games, Epic's is the the, the way to go. Um, it makes sense if you think about it, because look at a lot of their games, the game series, obviously. Stuff like Impossible Mission, even Jumpman, you could, they weren't just Twitch games. You had to put a lot of thought into them. You know? yeah. so that makes sense. Yeah, That's absolutely. a good thing. Um, this was released uh, in 1985. It was uh, originally released for the C64. And uh, just like all of the game series, you know, it was ported to everything. Um, this is a... Uh, this is a... It's not officially, you know, I, I was reading this, it's not officially licensed by the IOC, you know, the big Olympics group. Uh, right. So they could never call it the Olympics or whatever, but um, it, it really is. That's, that's, you know, the events are all similar to the, the Olympics. Uh, there's up to eight players can play, which is you yeah. know, a mind-boggling number uh, for, for games at this period. Um, some of the systems it was ported to was ported to, uh, of course, the Amiga, the Apple II, the ST, um, pretty much everything you can think of. Unfortunately, our old friend, the Acorn Archimedes, it looks like it did not receive a port. Um, That's a bummer. It is a bummer. <laughs> um, and uh, what I thought was interesting is that uh, it was featured as one of the games on the C64 Direct to TV. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. So the Direct-to-TV is, uh, this was released at the time. Remember all those plug-and-play systems that came out, uh, like the yeah. Jack-specific things? Uh, this sure. is, uh, the C64 actually had one of these, and I, I had no idea that it did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew was, it had one. It was called the uh, the, direct, the C64 Direct-to-TV. And so uh, that was, uh, it was one of the games featured there. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, speaking of those things, this is just a little off-topic, but, uh, um, uh, there was a C64 direct to TV game. It was, I think it was a monster truck game, as I recall. But it was done by, if you, if you heard the name, a girl, a very prominent, uh, figure on the net called Jerry Ellsworth. Uh, she, she did the system. 
and she basically put the Commodore 64 on a chip, and that's how they made the game. But she, when she made the board, you could actually pull a board out and and put a cartridge slot on this thing and play. It was a functional C64. You could put a, uh, all the ports and everything on it. It had spots you, on the uh, on the board to uh, to use it as a C64, which I always thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I love uh, it when, you know, people leave things in like that, knowing that, you know, 99% of the people that buy this thing are not going to use it. But if you want to go yeah. and hack into it, you're able to. That's great. The Flashback 2, I believe the Atari Flashback 2 was like that. It even had the... Uh, they even stenciled on the uh, pinouts and stuff on the board. Oh wow! Uh, to uh, add the stuff, yeah. No, that's why I, I think it was a flashback too. That's the. It's a little tougher to get these days because people used it to uh, just make, uh, you know, basically effectively break a brand new Atari Twenty Six Hundred out of them. So it's, a, it's always neat. I don't. I doubt you'll see that much in, anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> for cost purposes. But yeah, it's kind of cool that you can pull that off. Yeah, yeah. Um, this. Uh... Oh, one other thing is that uh, this was ported most recently to the uh, the Wii Virtual Console uh, in 2009, but it looks like it only got a, a an EU release. So you uh, know, I've got that. Really? I just thought about it. I, I've got that in California games. I do. I do. I, I I I don't know how I got them. I don't, but I do have them because I, I remember playing them, uh, and they're they're pretty faithful, as I recall. I want to break this. I'd try them both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a little bit about the background. Let's get into the real the real deal. Let's get into the meat and bones right. of the. We got the alpine skiing, ski jumping, biathlon, bobsled, figure skating, speed skating, <laughs> luge, and freestyle skiing. Um, and that's the hot dog aerials. So these are there's a, you know eight events, uh, and um, just like California Games and uh, Summer Games, you can choose to either compete in all of them or compete in some or just practice one. And uh, the game is really good about having, you know, when when you when you're practicing something, if you hit practice again, you can go as many times as you want. I thought that was really yeah. useful because as it's I was important, especially in back in the day when you were running this off disc. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember the one thing about these games that was a pain in the butt was the fact that if you wanted to, uh, if you hit the wrong button or what or left practice, you had to go way all through all that loading to get back in and out. It was a real monumental pain in the butt yeah so yeah having having that was a help and you do need to practice on this game there's no doubt about that yeah um and uh you know the, just like all of these games some of the events are are better than others of you know subjectively speaking um <laughs> yes i really enjoyed i you know it's funny because i didn't think that i would think this but i think a higher percentage of the games in winter games are more playable than summer games uh, yes, I'd say, I mean, I have my favorites in, in both, but winter games, you know, winter games is very, uh, the, the diverse, I guess. And the, and the, uh, I, and, and they're more fun. I think you might be on something. It may be a little more fun. They're close. The original summer games was awful good, but I'd say they're about even for me in terms of events that I really get into. Well, I, I think the thing that does it for me is there are no real, um, track and field style, just mash the buttons games. Yeah, there's games, yeah. there's games where you have to alternate between pressing two directions on a stick, but it's never it, how fast can you do it. There's always a little bit. It's more almost, it's a rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know that's that's uh, speed skating is the one I'm I'm most thinking about. Uh, you know, yeah, as you as you progress through the course, you're racing against uh, either a computer or another person. And uh, you start out moving slowly, and you just have to rock that stick back and forth slowly, and you know slowly increase your tempo. It really mimics, uh, you know, the rhythm of the sp- the skater's legs. It's really cool. Yeah, I think they I think they emulated the skiing and the skating events real well. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think, I mean, like, if you'll recall in Summer Games, I believe the first one, they were biking. I thought they did a good job in that. I like the ones where they sort of mimic the uh, motion more than just going bananas like a decathlon style mm-hmm. joystick <laughs> buster. So, yeah, that, that's, and that's kudos because really it's sort of the, the waggle effect. It's sort of a, a cheap way to do it. I yeah. mean, in a lot of ways. And it also sort of, you know, it separates a lot of players who just can't hit, do that <laughs> or won't, won't do that their own joysticks. Right, right. Um, the other thing, uh, on the Amiga version, they have the um, the the hot dog aerials, which is kind of the freestyle skiing where you go off the ramp and, you know, you can yeah. do a couple events. And I found that I could, you know, after looking at the instructions and figuring out how I could actually land all of the moves. And it was kind of neat. uh figuring out, you know, which two can I combine to get the highest score. So I thought that that was done well. Uh, the bobsled, uh, there's not really much to it. That's probably one of the weaker events. Uh, I, think we'll, it, I, I always thought it looked cool, though. It I thought bobsled was a neat Yeah, the way But, yeah, it's not the best. The um, What was your favorite event? Ski jump is awful fun, just because mm-hmm. I'm a... <laughs> I... I uh, I love the opening to ABC Wild World of Sports. I'm a big agony of defeat guy, so I always get a hearty hug of planting my gun. But it's actually fun to sit there and fool with it. You're going to laugh, but I really like figure skating. Uh, 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 I like, always thought that was a, kind of a neat event. Uh, I like uh, the uh, uh, biathlon. I think that's what it's called, the, where you, the skiing and shooting. That You know, that's a that's a long event, you know. But it's, I thought that was a real – I thought they did a real good job pulling it off. I know it's repetitive, but I thought the scenery and stuff was real pretty too. Yeah, you, and, know, you so. know they could have easily just made it, you know, uh, rotate the or not rotate the stick, but, you know, push the stick back and forth as fast as you can to get to the shooting events as fast as you can. But you don't like, you know, when you're going up the hill, or I'm sorry, when you're going down the hill to increase your speed, you've got to, you know, move the joystick vertically, and then to go yeah. across the cross country sections, you're going back and forth. I thought the way that they I like did, the heart rate thing. I like that. You know, the, I thought that was kind of a neat. You know, angle on it too. They uh, well, they, imp- they kind of implemented that into it. it just, they, they put all, you can tell they actually put some thought, a real a lot of thought into the mechanics before they put them down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, really, there's the you know I'm looking at the the information uh, on here and it says that uh, you know there's I don't remember there was no luge in the Amiga version, right? I don't remember seeing that. That might have just been in the C64 version. The, uh, the the events I remember are the ones you mentioned off the off, off the top. Uh, uh, the uh, like I said, when it comes to my personal favorite was I like the ski jump. My least favorite would probably be the uh, oh boy, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the, the speed skating. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I it's think, just kind of boring. I think speed skating is probably the weakest event, just because not only are is what you're doing not that exciting, but there's nothing to look at. You're you're set against a flat gray background, and um and so you you know there's there's really not much to watch. Versus like you said with the biathlon, even though you're you know you're going up and down hills, the scenery is really pretty. Yeah, speaking of speaking of the scenery, which I didn't mention, I love the I love the opening closing ceremony stuff. The mm-hmm. uh, Lighting of the torch. That was something else they always stuck into these, uh, these games that I always thought was, it's the touches. You know, we've talked about it before. Uh, the, the, uh, the epics running animation, which, which is sort of iconic, uh, is, uh, is, is on full display here. It looks really good. You know, mm-hmm. the epics had a real good way of animating characters. 
uh, and, and all their stuff. The uh, I like the fact that the doves are released. That's always amazing. To me. <laughs> yeah. I like. I also like the fact you can you can pick your country. Uh, the uh, which is cool. Uh, and they've included them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, you know not all of them, but they've included a lot of country. I, for some reason, I always used to pick Japan. Yeah. You know, and also I like the fact that Epic has its own country. That always amuses me. <laughs> you know, um, complete with. <laughs> you know, I I picked Norway. And you know they play the uh, the the national anthem when you choose the the flag, you know. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever chosen Norway before, but the beginning of their national anthem sounds exactly like "Deck the Halls." And I thought <laughs> at first I was like, "Oh my gosh, Norway's national anthem is Deck the Halls," but it turns out that it it shifted into something else. So but, uh, <laughs> that's so awesome. There's a little it's shout like out the to the option. It. Yeah, yeah, O'Brien. And it, it gives it a it gives it an Olympic feel too. All that stuff, you know, it really adds the ambiance to the game. Yeah, yeah. It was overall. I enjoyed playing this game a lot. I was looking forward to uh, to squaring off against you with it. We're going to do that next time. Um, It'll happen. And, uh, you know, because I, I feel like I'm pretty good at some of these events. I feel like I can give you a run for your money. Yes, and, and hopefully when summer comes, we will have to give summer games trial. Although I'll have to say I was, uh, you know, I, I was sitting, I was looking through uh, some information on winter games. and just happened to be looking through some stuff on summer games. It looks, you know, summer games was released many, many years after this on the Amiga. I think it was like 92. Wow. And from what I read, it was a, it was a very badly done port of the C64 version from U.S. Uh, U.S. Gold, oh, US and and they, and, yeah. and they did they did Summer Games one and two, and if you consider Summer Games was that for Winter Games, these aren't making it to the Amiga until ninety two. That sounds like a, a cash in. Yeah. But we ought to try it anyway. Oh, right. Also, one thing I want to mention is that uh, hey, one disc. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. That's the first game we've done in a while. That's only one disc. So and and ran on the on the original chipset, mm-hmm. you know. So. Of something else, I, of course, I always do this. I checked on eBay to see how this thing was rocking. Guess what? I think it's the first game. I found no copies. Really? None. I found no copies available or or sold in recent memory for, of the Amiga version of Winter Games. Huh. So I, I don't know what that means, everybody, but if you, if you if have you a copy. One, you may be sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. I mean, there's and usually there'll be, a, there'll be a copy that someone's trying to get like a couple hundred bucks. You know, there's always that guy. That mm-hmm. guy's not out there. So you could be that guy <laughs> if you have a copy. You know, you could, you you could be, be the that guy that's trying to extort money. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I think that, that that really about wraps up, you know, winter games. Um, yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up. Like I said, most of the events are fun. And if and one thing about the game series, if you don't like an event, Wait a few minutes. You'll be in another one soon. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I'd like to thank our, our sponsors. Uh, we picked up a couple more this week. We got uh, Chris Folds, Zach Zimmerman, Adam Bradley, Will Williams, Daniel Bingston, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Brent Dowdy, and Chad Halstead. Thank you so much yeah, for your support. Thanks, uh, if you'd like to support the Amigos podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Uh, just like Chris Folds did, uh, if you uh, support us uh, at the $10 a month level i sound like pbs you know uh you can pick yeah. a game at once a month for us to do and that's what just what he did uh he wants us to review super skid marks uh, oh boy this is a game that i know nothing about i'm going into it completely cold uh i'm guessing it's some sort of a racing game but we'll find out i've heard good things but i've not played it so uh look forward to that next week until yeah. then adios adios